All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 107 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger. Welcoming in Frank Saravalli. Uh, we're going to have newest member of our team, Matt Larkin, joining us as our guest today. Frank, uh, we're, we're recording this on, on Thursday night. And the New Jersey Devils uh, laid a beat down on the on the Pittsburgh Penguins. There, I've been reading a lot. The people think that the Penguins peaked early and now they're struggling. I think it's a little too early yet to say that. Or do you think there's some truth to it? I think it's way early. Like this team was just cooking 10 days ago. Yeah. And we were still three weeks plus three and a half weeks to the deadline which means there's another quarter of the season after that. I mean, I, I don't like we're 30 some games to go. Like, I, I don't think we're anywhere near that territory yet. Yeah, no, I would. Uh, I would agree with you on that wholeheartedly. Um, I do want to talk about one player, though, who's just on fire right now, and that is Patrick Line. And I know he was banged up, but, you know, Patrick Line came into the NHL and he took it by storm. He was just a sniper, you know, scoring 40 goals for fun. You know, it was dynamic. It was a really good quote. And, you know, then things didn't work out in, in Winnipeg. He leaves to go to, to Columbus and it hasn't been great early on. But now that he's healthy, man, these last 11 games, he and it's not just that he's producing, Frank. It's the type of goals when he's scoring. Like he is still one of the more dangerous shooters. Like I put Line in the same category as a pure shooter as Matthews and Ovechkin. Without question. The problem is he's not consistent. I mean, he goes these stretches where not only do you not see him, like, you you know, you don't even notice him, but then he goes on a stretch like this where he does something that so few players in the league can do. They're still playing the third period tonight, but he's got 13 goals now in the last 10 games. How many players in the NHL can put up 13 over 10? How many guys put a 13 in a year, Frank? No, you're right. I mean, we, it's funny you said that. Cause we, we just, um, I mentioned Alexander Texier from Columbus today in our icebreaker segment about him being a guy that the Columbus blue jackets are taking calls on. He has 11 goals this year. He's on track for 25 in a full season. Patrick Liney's already done that in, in 10 games. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, 
So it's such a skill and it's hard to score consistently. I think sometimes like, you know, you look at the goaltending and how they're taught and the defense now and everybody's a better skater, but to, to be a guy who can score from distance consistently is what's impressive to me. Like line A beat his shot is so accurate and so hard that they can beat guys consistency consistently, excuse me, from distance. And that like line is one of those guys where I've been kind of like, man, there were, he was on the side of a milk carton for the, you know, for a long time. Yeah. I know that injuries played a part in it for sure. But man, when he's back, the league's just better. Like I like having more guys like him in the league. And I'm with you because I, I think we really should be celebrating what guys do well, as opposed to talking about all the things that they don't do. The problem is in a salary cap world, someone equated really the goals that a Patrick line a scores throughout a season, the front office member once explained this to me as empty calories. You know, it's great that Patrick line a scores 35 or 40 goals in a year, but what else is he doing for you in the games that he's not scoring? What's he doing for you in a three week stretch where he does nothing. And I think it's a fair question to ask given what he's going to command on the cap. And it's a really interesting question and, and commentary and exercise to go through. What would you pay Patrick line? Do you give him a long-term deal? But I think you have to accept that that's part of the picture, part of, you know, it's fact with his game. Like you are going to get 35 to 40, but there are also going to be those stretches. So you have to know going in, eyes wide open. And Columbus has seen that in just this short time as well or better than Winnipeg did. I mean, he gets to Columbus last year. He has 10 and 45. Yeah. But, but he's due a $7.5 million qualifying offer. So what do you pay him? Well, you're Columbus and you, you probably have to pay him. Well, maybe, maybe you, you know, just because that's his qualifying offer we've seen, uh, you know, lately some teams, you know, you sign them to a, to a long-term deal or five or six, seven year deal. I think he's, you know, at minimum, he's getting seven just because I understand that there might be games where he doesn't score and that's fair. But I do think sometimes we underrate the importance of goals at the same time, right? Like that. Yeah, and that's, that's, you're right. Cause it's the hardest thing to do in the league. So exactly. why are we calling them empty calories if they count so much? Yeah, because like you can't, you can't, sure, you'd like him to be better defensively. I get all of that, right? I understand. And so, you know, you, you can maybe have a better commitment from him a little bit. But at the end of the day, um, if you're going to be able to score that many goals, there's so few guys in the league, you make that it's your job as a GM to say, okay, let's surround them with some better players. Then those goals become even more valuable. There's probably a likelihood that he can score more because he's with more skilled players. But also, if we've got other skilled guys, we don't have to worry about Patrick Line being a Selkie nominee. He doesn't have to be, right? So I, uh, I, I think there is sometimes, and we we get so focused on looking at what players can't do that we undervalue what they do. And when you do something that well. There's a lot of value in it. For me. So, okay. So walk me through the exercise though. So if you think it's seven, what kind of oh, that's term the lowest are you I think him? is going to get a seven. Like, I think he's probably, he's probably like last summer, Frank, I didn't think defense when we're going to get, like, I thought Dougie Hamilton was going to get eight mil and I thought that was fine. Well, then he got nine and then every other defenseman went up and, and that was after COVID. So Patrick Line, if he, if Patrick Line ends on a heater, and what if Columbus gets close? I, I think it's still hard to catch Boston, but let's say Columbus gets close and they have this run, and all of a sudden Line finishes the season because he's only played 31 games, right? And he finishes the season and he's going to play only 60 games and he finishes with 35 goals or 40. People are going to say, oh my goodness. And they're still going to believe that that's the real Patrick Line. So he probably gets eight, like qualifying him. It's 7.5 really probably won't be that difficult if he scores 30 goals in a, in a, in a season where he misses 20 games times what though that's see, that's the other part of the equation is the mental part. I think Patrick line a is one of those players that's best served to be always chasing the carrot. Does he, if you give him a six year deal or a seven year deal, what does it look like? I mean, he's a young guy. So Obviously, there's no concern about, 
you know, the fall off, but is he one of those guys that just gets comfortable or is he one of those guys because of the pressure that he faces? And he sometimes it seems to be the way he beats himself up publicly in the media with the things he says about his own game. Is he one of those guys that that's the exact opposite that craves the term would be more comfortable and settle in and is able to be himself. Well, I think the big thing for Columbus is if Patrick Laine wants to commit to you, I think they want to commit to him, right? Like they, they haven't had a lot, a lot like an elite goal score commit to your franchise. So you, I, I like, it's like a lot of people question Bill Guerin and signing Kaprizov so quickly after only one year. And obviously, you know, Bill's done very well. It looks like he's a great player, but it's also, that's an organization that's been looking forever for an elite goal scorer. Like, um, you know, you, you had Rick Nash for a long time, really good player, but never like that electric of a goal scorer. So if, if Patrick Line comes to you and says, hey, you know what? You guys commit to me at seven and a half. I'll commit to you for seven years. I think it's really hard for Columbus to walk away from that. And maybe, you know, and if in a number of years from now, it's a bit down the road still that the cap really goes up a lot. Once they pay off this escrow debt, maybe seven and a half looks pretty reasonable for a guy, even if I'm doing air quotes, gives you empty calorie 40 goal season. <laughs> Dude, if he, if he can be a consistent 40 goal score, he'll get more than that. Right. Like Jeff, but that's the point though, is you gotta, you're, this is your opportunity. You're locking him in or you're letting him, you're like, yeah. you're trading him. Yeah. You're lo- like, I, I think honestly, Frank, like I said, the lowest it would be is seven. I think realistically his contract's going to start with an eight or a nine. Just because he's goal scoring, it's just hard to find. And mm-hmm. Columbus is, is an organization that's going to want to keep him. It's funny that I keep saying empty calories. Don't I know something about that? <laughs> Touche. And hey, before we get to our newest member of our team, Frank, uh, we do want to uh, send our thoughts. And, and it seems very hollow to say this because of what's going on right now in the Ukraine with, with Russia attacking. It's just, it, it's, a, it's an awful situation. And I, I think in North America, um, I can only speak for myself, you know, at times when I, when I talk about freedom, I'm not sure there's a more free place when you see what people in Russia and Ukraine are going through right now. And we, you know, we have the freedom to complain about any government we want and anything like that. And there's no real persecution at the end of the day. And man, I, I feel for that. I, I hope that the, the world is watching and they do their best to try to end this as quickly as we can, because it's definitely, it's awful. And, and there, there's unfortunately a, a decent hockey connection to this as well. Yeah, there is. I mean, look, um, Vladimir Putin hockey has been a big part of his social construct. Um, it's his way of ingratiating himself a little bit and making himself seem a little bit more normal to the rest of society, uh, in Russia. And that has had a trickle down effect to not just NHL players, Alexander Ovechkin, Evgeny Malkin among them. Um, but also on the international stage, as it relates to the game in general, the double IHF, how many photos are there of Vladimir Putin and double former double IHF president, Rene Fassell, um, you know, spending time together, watching games together, uh, press conferences, Jersey ceremonies, like the whole nine yards Fassell playing or officiating a game that Putin played in. And there's been this, sort of quid pro quo that has existed with Russia and the double IHF. You know, they've been awarded a lot of events, Novosibirsk and Omsk in, uh, in 10 months from now, supposed to host the world junior championship. What about the men's worlds in St. Petersburg in next May? I mean, these are two major moneymakers, significant tournaments for the double IHF that are being held or scheduled to be held in Russia after all this has happened. So they've got some serious questions to answer. And they say their president, Luke Tardif, sending out a statement on Thursday night saying that uh, they will begin to have council meetings and discuss these measures. I don't know what there is to discuss, but I am also interested in hearing what Alex Ovechkin has to say when he's asked about it, because I've seen a lot of reaction, Jason, on social media saying, you know, leave the guy alone. You don't know what it's like for him to have his family there, his wife and his kids, and his both of his parents are actually all in Russia at the moment. 
And I certainly uh, feel for him on, on that respect between a rock and a hard place, especially when you know questions are coming. I am 100% certain that the NHL, the Capitals, and other places are using uh, some crisis PR firms to, to counsel and coach him on, on how to handle this. But at the end of the day, you know, there have been choices made. He, he has said, I, you know, I'm not a political person, but when your Instagram profile picture is of yourself and Vladimir Putin, and you are part of the teamputin.ru website as a supporter, you know, you've made your choice to make it political. And so to say that it's not fair to ask questions now, um, I, th I think that's, that's out of bounds. Like, you know, he has put it out there. We didn't dig this information up and find out that he was a closet Vladimir Putin supporter. He's made this his profile picture. These are questions that are fair to ask. That is fair. I think it's also fair to ask, you know, how much of that is influenced by Putin and, you know, is there pressure on them, right? Like I, Artemy Panarin, for him to stand up, what he did is amazing. And, you know, but he talked about the fact that, you know, like he had death threats, like it, it is very serious over there. And Putin's shown that he has no conscience, that he's, you know, what, what he would threaten to do to some players, you wonder. But I think Ovechkin's going to talk. The double IHF, Frank, to me, this, this decision this is where you need to have courage as a group and say, we're not having the world juniors there. You have 10 months, you can figure it out. You, you just, you, you've, you've changed Edmonton twice. You've shown that you can pivot and make changes with your world juniors. So 10 months, that's a long time. You know, the United States would love to host it again, right? Sweden and those, there's lots of countries that would, especially be, they, people would look at the situation and say, okay, we get why we're getting out of Russia. Who's going to take it? And I think a lot of a lot of federations would step up. They'd understand why this this decision should be made literally as soon as possible. There's Yesterday. no reason to stretch this out. And I hope the double IHF at the world junior levels and the uh, the the men's national world championship, both of those are moved out of Russia. There's there's got to be some consequences to the actions. And, you know, sure, people are going to say, well, now you're punishing the, the innocent Russian people. I understand that. And that's unfortunate. But when, when your leader is willing to go to this extreme, there's got to be some consequences. I just hope in general there's consequences. You know, a, a sovereign nation has been invaded and people are dying because someone's power hungry and, and wants control. Yeah. So uh, I, I definitely I hope anybody out there who's, who's listening, who has family in Ukraine, I hope they're uh, they're safe and healthy. And, and, and many of the like. And, and also kudos to a lot of the Russian people who have stood up to oppose this, knowing that there's drastic uh, measures that can happen to them and their family by doing so. That's courage, man. That is legit courage. So kudos to all of the uh, the Russians who are opposing this as well, because it definitely uh, Putin doesn't speak for all of them. And I think that's been shown on uh, on social media. Let's um, get back, back to some hockey talk. Uh, we're excited. We have a new member of the team. And uh, we're going to announce that. Well, it was officially announced uh, earlier today on, on social media, but uh, Matt Larkin is uh, coming to join Daily Faceoff team. You've read our next guest for the last 11 years in the hockey news, both in the magazine and at thehockeynews.com. Big part of that sports Bible over the last little bit. And now we're pleased to welcome him as the newest member of the Daily Faceoff team as our managing editor and senior writer. Matt Larkin, welcome to the team. Welcome to the DFO Rundown. Thank you so much, Frank. It's very exciting. I feel like I just got traded to a new team. This is my first shift right now. I'm hopping over the boards and I'm pumped up. My, my palms are sweating. I'm so excited to work with you guys. It's going to be amazing. Palms are sweaty. Mom's spaghetti. Um, you know, it, it's funny you say that, but this is like in our industry, this is like the closest you get to actually putting on a new Jersey. So it's funny that you said that because I felt a little bit of that same last year. It's like you actually are changing teams. It's true. It, it feels like, well, it's funny. I was saying this to someone the other day, I was trying to think of a sports analogy. It's just, it's the way my brain works. And I was thinking of myself as Marc-Andre Fleury in 2017, because daily face-off is, is the rising power. It's like, I'm joining the Vegas Golden Knights. I've been in one place for a long time, just like he was in Pittsburgh. And it's sort of that leap into the unknown, which is extremely exciting and a little scary too. You've been in one place for a long time, but I'm ready for a new challenge. And I mean, you can see I'm smiling ear to ear. I'm, I'm excited just talking about it. 
Yeah. And we're excited to have you. Um, if you've been following Matt over the years, he's sort of been a one-stop shop in and of himself, uh, features, interviews, reporting, you name it, fantasy hockey, uh, draft stuff. He's been all over it. So Matt, uh, if you're not following Matt already, by the way, M Larkin hockey on Twitter, um, what are you going to bring to the table at DFO? Well, I like to think of myself as a Swiss army knife of hockey. So I will be bringing lots of different things. I love to talk. If you've been following me in previous podcasts, you know that I like to talk. I'm a hyper guy. The podcasting life will still be a big part of what I do. Big features has always been a bread and butter of mine, getting sort of to know big name players, how they tick, where they came from, what are their families, those long reads you can curl up with on a Sunday morning. That's a specialty of mine. And of course, fantasy. I've always been a big fantasy guy. I love to do rankings and I love to go deep on the rankings. I like to give you little nuggets on each player, not just a list. I want to go through and tell you why you should or shouldn't pick every player that is going to be coming with me as well. It's a big part of what I do. And I just love to follow the game. I, I, I'm a person who believes there's still a lot of fun to be had enjoying hockey. I think a lot of the hockey universe right now sometimes forgets that. And it's good to sort of partake in the joy and focus on the fun stories that happen in the game. Well, one guy who's having fun right now is um, Mr. Line uh, from a fantasy perspective. And, you know, he's healthy and man, he's just on fire. I think he's what got 11 game point streak now, third longest and then Blue Jackets history. And, you know, Matt, when, when you go, because I remember we could go way back on my show, you and I talking fantasy hockey. And I, I, I played a lot of fantasy football, like fantasy hockey, I find is a real big commitment. Like I, I respect those who do it. I just found it's harder. Is there, do you, have you found over the years, can you do fantasy hockey without the committee? Like I felt like I just had to commit a lot of time to it. Is it still the same or can you play fantasy hockey and really only have to be committed part-time? Well, there is a casual way to do it. So it's sort of the old school office pool where you're writing picks down in a piece of paper. That's the casual format. Maybe you don't even have trades or roster moves in that league. You pick a big roster. You hope nobody gets hurt. You set it and forget it, as they say in fantasy. So those types of pools still exist, but I think they're becoming more rare. Now we're in the era of, of Yahoo, of DFS, of head-to-head leagues, and they function more like what you'd see in a, in a fantasy baseball format where it's, it's a season-long grind. You might have divisions, rivalries. You're making lots of trades. You might have a pre-agency bid, a budget you can spend on, on the waiver wire, all that kinds of stuff. So it is an era of peak customization. If you want the simple experience, you can find it. If you want the daily experience, of course, DFS, daily fantasy sports, you can find that as well and not have to worry about managing a team throughout the course of the year. But you can also get that deep experience, which is what I prefer. And if you followed me before, I always talk about, I play in one league. I don't want to experience having multiple teams. I want one league. I want to feel the stakes that you feel in real life. You get one shot every year to succeed. And if you don't, that's it. It's, yeah. it's over, right? And I want to feel that kind of thrill Put yourself in the shoes of a real GM where you can't say, hey, Ken Hughes doesn't get two teams. He doesn't get two shots at this. He gets one team. And that's sort of the fantasy experience I like to cultivate myself. Well, Jay, did I... you, before you were married, did you have any commitment issues? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to commit. I like, I just, well, I, just I don't know. You know I, buddy, time's valuable. So I look at, but I will say this, Matt, I think listening to you, we might have to have a DFO fantasy league starting for next year. I think that could just for bragging rights and chirp. I think we could get on that. Uh, I'd like to wipe the floor with Frank for a bit. I would be, be awful. I would be I know, so bad at great. that. Oh, yeah. I'd love it. The, just the chirping. Your Ram, now your Ram Chuck and Matt would probably be the two most serious players. There's no I'm question in. about it, but uh, that would be uh, that would be a lot of fun. Now, um, Matt, I know you do a lot of features, but I think fantasy sports specifically for hockey has really grown and evolved. You know, over the last five, six, seven years. And, and, you know, a lot of fans, the fantasy experience, like I know for me, I became more of an NFL fan when I played fantasy football, right? I've been a diehard hockey fan. So how for the diehard fans do you find fantasy can maybe make you even more of a fan? I think it's just the variety of the numbers you could track. That's the biggest change. So of course, there's the old adage in fantasy that even if you aren't a fan of a team, you're cheering for your players. And that suddenly makes the game interesting. The expression, it was actually, it was Keith Walk told the NHL, he put it to me, we were talking about betting. And he said, he couldn't believe that he was watching a kicker on a Monday night in a meaningless game. It was like a Cleveland Browns kicker and he had everything on the line. So you find yourself caring about every game. That's important too. But I think what's really changed in recent years is the advent of banger leagues. 
as they call them. So these are leagues that give you different categories like hits and blocks and the grinders, the sort of marginal players become a lot more important and they rise to prominence. So someone like Radko Gudis, for example, he's typically a third pair defenseman. He's really aggressive, physical. He obviously has gotten into a lot of trouble with the Department of Player Safety in the past. He is someone that in fantasy circles is starting to get notoriety because he's hitting at a rate not, yes. not seen since the peak of Matt Martin, right? He's producing at almost a pace that's going to track him for the most hits ever in a season. So that's a good example. It's sort of a granular example here, but it's showing that a player that is sort of a grinder suddenly becomes valuable and seen differently, appreciated more in the hockey community because we have so many people now who are playing the game and there are so many more numbers, not just analytics, but just fantasy numbers that you can see. And I think you learn to appreciate different players now than you did in the past. It's not just about the, the stars, the guys getting all the points anymore. Do you play in hardcore leagues where like shot attempts matter? I haven't yet. I, I do. The, the main league I play in right now, we sort of, our goal is to create the closest thing to a real NHL experience. So every single night you start 12 forwards and six defensemen, and you have one goalie and one backup goalie. And the categories we have, we try to approximate the real things. We have the hits and blocks, the banger categories. So really you have your scorers, but you also have your fourth line players. And you can actually say things in your head-to-head matchup like, hey, the reason why I won is I really got that lift from Cal Clutterbuck in the third period. He came up with three big hits. And that's really cool. That's not something you could say in fantasy leagues 10 years ago, but now you're approximating the real experience where you're relying on your superstars, but you're also relying on your grinders, you know, your your guys that are blocking shots, showing heart, grit, all those sort of categories. And it feels like you're putting together a real team and sort of simulating the real experience. So in my opinion, it's never been better in terms of just the experience of playing. Matt, for people that don't know you, uh, haven't listened to you, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, where you live, um, what else you're into aside from hockey and, uh, what it's like at home. Well, thank you for asking, Frank. I appreciate it, buddy. Um, well, I, I have two children. That's a big part of my life, two daughters. So I have the, the daughter experience right now. They're five and one year, year old, but Every time I watch an episode of Euphoria, I'm absolutely terrified just picturing what the experience is going to be when they're teenagers. I live in constant fear of that. I live in Toronto right now. I'm married. And the general lifestyle for me, I'm obviously a sports nut. I always have been sort of obsessive. I was the kid that was collecting the sticker books in the 80s, reciting stats, memorizing stats. But the other part of my personality, if you followed me in the past, is I'm obsessed with pop culture, specifically movies. So I tend to sort of bleed things together. Sometimes you'll see a reference to a movie when I'm referring to something happening in sports or vice versa. That's sort of the way I operate. So big hockey guy, of course, big sports guy, big baseball guy, big football guy, but also really big movie guy. And I'm snobby too. I like the good stuff. I like my HBO, the prestige TV, all that kind of stuff. So if you ever want to ask me, what did I think about the new trailer for the Batman? Do I think Robert Pattinson is a good Batman? I do, by the way, think he's fantastic. I can talk about that too. So that's the best way to sort of summarize me. A sports guy, hybrid pop culture guy. Born and raised in Toronto? Born in Ottawa. So I I actually was there when the Senators were just getting off the ground. I moved when I was 10 years old, but I was there for the really early days. We're talking Norm McIver, Brad Marsh, Peter Sidork. Civic Center days. That's right. I scored the first goal of my life in the Civic Center when I was eight years old. So Ottawa is my original hometown. As a result, I kind of laugh when people in Toronto talk about cold and snow because it's nothing compared to what you get in Ottawa. And of course, Jason, what you get out West, Uh, but Ottawa is the original upbringing, but most of my life, I'd say the majority, my adult life is a Toronto boy. So I've gotten used to that as my home now. So before you became a journalist and pitched your fandom, what was your team? Oh man, it's funny. I was wondering if you're going to ask me this, Frank, because I've never revealed it before. I've kept it close to the vest for fear of ridicule. Well, now you, you have know, to be honest. Now I'm on the spot. You have to come clean. Okay, I'm going to do it. I can't believe I'm going to do it, and I'm going to get I'm going to get roasted on Twitter for this. I'm sure. Um, I'm not saying this is a team I cheer for anymore. As you guys know, once you're in the business, it's not the same. There's a disconnect. But as a child, as a child, I grew up cheering for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, The Ottawa Senators had not been born yet, obviously the version in the 20s, but we're talking the new incarnation of the Ottawa Senators. They didn't exist yet. In Ottawa, in the 80s and early 90s, you were either a Leafs fan or a Habs fan. They were, you know, Ottawa obviously sandwiched in between them geographically. So those are the debates in the schoolyard. I was a Leafs fan. I'm talking the early days, the Cliff Fletcher days, the Dougie Gilmore, Wendell Clark days, the Wayne Gretzky high stick days. Yes, that was all part of my childhood. That's the kind of thing that brought tears when I was 10 years old. But 
Obviously, now when it comes to the Leafs, it's a sensitive subject. When it comes to media, Toronto-based media, no one wants to hear about anyone in the media that cheered for the Leafs as a kid because there's always the accusations of bias. That is why I've kept it close to the vest. But the truth is, when you're in the business, it's different. There is a disconnect. It's part of our job to be objective. You don't see the team the same way. Mm -hmm. And when I say fan, I'm talking more about the bygone era, maybe even the Pat Quinn era as well. Pat Quinn era, that was like that was like the best era for Leaf fans in the last 50 years. Uh, no question about it. They had some playoff success. Um, Maddie, I, I know you've been at the hockey news for a long time and you know you you study the league a lot. Um, give me your speaking of the uh, of the Leafs, let's uh let's stick with them. And is is Jack Campbell and Morazic are the cracks being shown, do you think? Or uh, can they rebound here? And compile that with the injury to Muzzin. Are things suddenly looking dire in Toronto? I think there is cause for concern. And I think you could argue that Kyle Dubas painted himself into a corner by signing Mrazek in the summer. Because it's not like Mrazek has a sparkling track record of sustained success and health. And you're shelling out a pretty decent sized cap hit. Obviously more than what Campbell's is this year. For a goaltender that is not guaranteed to be an above average contributor. Has not been for significant stretches of his career so far. And with Jack Campbell, there was always the risk that he could falter. It's strange because you want to think of what Campbell has done in the last, let's say, calendar year as legitimate. It fits his pedigree. Of course, we know he's a high first round pick relative to goaltenders. He was a tremendous junior. He won gold with Team USA. Everyone knows the story, right? That was his pedigree. So the good version of Jack Campbell, that is what Jack Campbell was always supposed to be. But obviously, his route to get here was very circuitous. And we know there are some problems with the space between his ears. I don't think there's a player. I can remember that is so open about his performance that is so hard on himself after every single game. He reminds me of myself when I play softball, I get in my head, getting big slumps. And with Jack Campbell, he shouldn't be beating himself, but you worry when he gets into a slump more than I think as is the case with most goaltenders, you worry it can become something bigger because he gets in his head. He's so hard on himself. You can hear his teammates try to ease up on him or tell him to ease up on himself rather because he gets in his head. So now you have a problem where you have Campbell who's starting to slip. Obviously his play has really slipped in the new year, but you don't really have the safety net with Peter Mrazek. So what do you do with that cap hit? I do think you have to consider kicking the tires on someone like a Braden Holtby when it comes to the trade deadline, if you can shake him loose from Dallas, I think it's a possibility because obviously Dallas is going to give the net long-term to Jake Ottinger anyways, but someone like that, that has the big game experience would be, I think a good backup for Jack Campbell. Obviously it means moving money around. You have to do something with Mrazic if that's the case, but I think Dubas has to think of it as I think possibly his last stand. You can't, you can't bomb out in the first round of sixth year in a row. You have to pull out all the stops and that means getting that upgrade in net or at least the safety net. And that could actually help Jack Campbell take the pressure off. If he knows there's someone that can help him that he can learn from. And I think, you know, if you look at the Ilya Lubushkin trade, that's not addressing the need. We know the need is a right shot defenseman to play with Muzzin, but we're talking second pair. I think long-term the upside of Lushkin is more bottom or bottom pair, right? So I don't think the work is done there, whether it's someone like a Josh Manson, I think it's gotta be someone that has some sandpaper to his game. We've seen time and again, teams pick on Jake Muzzin, especially in the playoffs, because there's no other physical presence you have to answer to in Toronto, in my opinion, in the top four, especially the guys playing the big minutes. And we've seen Muzzin time and again, get banged up because teams they like to pound him on the forecheck, right? So I do think that Dubas has to explore the market for that legitimate top four right shot defenseman. So I, I want to jump in there because I don't know if I necessarily agree with your opinion in the sense that it's time to bring in someone from the outside. Um, because I think in some ways that might send Jack Campbell further down the spiral, right? And then how do you get him to recover? Uh, and I've seen lots of talk about moving Morazic and moving the cap hit. But I think what's problematic for the Leafs is Jack Campbell is a pending UFA. His numbers are going to dictate a pretty significant raise and probably some term. And if he's in the $5 million range or close to it, the Leafs can't afford that. And more to the point, would they want to? So then you might need Morazic in the summer to go into next season playing in tandem with someone sort of like how they mapped it out this year, where you ham an egg between Morazic and whoever else you can get in that current Campbell price range to then make the money work because they have all their money ballparked elsewhere or parked elsewhere, I should say. 
Yeah, I, I can see the logic. The problem in my mind is if you're Kyle Dubas, can you think that far ahead right now? If you're Brendan Shanahan, can you think that far ahead? How many chances does this regime have left? And I wonder if you just have to go for broke and not worry about next year and focus all your energy on trying to make it count this season. And obviously, yes, you would be in a quagmire financially if it plays out that way with the price going up for Campbell, but maybe you just have to think this is it. Nothing matters after this year, if we can't advance in the playoffs and with Campbell, it's tough. I know what you mean about having someone breathing down his neck, but it could be sort of that backup quarterback situation where, and we've seen it so many times with Brian Elliott, for example, in his career, every time he's the backup, he's great. Every time he's put in the position of being a starter, he crumbles. And Jack Campbell might be one of those guys who he needs to fall back into the number two, the pressure has to come off. And maybe you bring in, for example, a Hopi. And if Hopi falters, then Campbell gets to be the savior come in. And psychologically, it's so different than being the guy on which all the hopes are pinned. Well, I'll say this about the Leafs. I just, I'm not sure they're built to win in the playoffs in their current construction of their roster, regardless of who their goalie is. And I, I think Frank, maybe the big move in the off season is they're going to have to, they're going to have to move one of their forwards because that's where you lose some cap space to rejig their whole team. Now that's obviously a, you know, a bigger pitcher decision, but I'll, but I think Matt's right though, Jay, that whatever we're talking about next season might not matter at all. Like yeah, if you're fair. currently managing this team, like you need to park whatever your thoughts are for the summer that it's all about winning this year and not just winning the, the Stanley cup, just surviving. Yeah. They got to win. They got to win around. I think at least, at least yeah, I think maybe two. And the problem is guys, they could make good moves and still lose. Cause they're going to have to play Tampa or Florida in the first round. Right. That's like those two teams. Like they're look at, look at those two teams. Cause like Toronto's a good team, but if you go, where does Toronto have a clear advantage over any of them? Well, well, someone was making the joke on Twitter the other day, like, oh, this is great. Jack Campbell's falling back now just in time for the Leafs to get one of the wild card spots and cross over to the Metro. <laughs> I mean, obviously, probably not going to happen, but just funny nonetheless. But you're right. Like you could make all the moves you want and still be outclassed by either one of those teams. And at the end of it, we'd all sit here and say, well, Florida or Tampa were the better team. Yeah. That's right. And if the Leafs got hot for some reason, they rise up. Let's say they win 10 games in a row. They go full Calgary. Then their reward might be you play Boston as a wild card team. It's like, oh, come on. Are you kidding me? Right. So it seems like there's only one scenario that would be on paper favor for the Leafs, favorable for the Leafs. And it would be if somehow you went down to that wild card and you crossed over to the Metro. But it's pretty unlikely right now. And I, like So but if you cross to the Metro, then you then you're mean that means you're taking on Carolina. Like it's, oh, wow. I'm not sure that's that's that easy of an option either, right? Like that's a the thing. There, the East is really good, man. There's no, uh, there's no easy first round solution for anybody. That like, you know, even Florida, whoever wins their division, you're gonna have to play Boston. And now Boston's not as good as Tampa or Florida, but they're still pretty good. So yeah, that's the playoffs in the East to me are fascinating, just because there's so many uh, competitive teams. And I want to get back to your hometown, Matt, um, in in Ottawa when we talk is. I'm a big believer in the re- rebuilds take a lot longer than people like to hope they are. They're, they're definitely longer. This is Jay's running thing, by the way. Well, but he's on this, like, I think this is like four straight pods yeah, where he's yeah, like, yep. at it. But my point is speaking of patience, how patient do you think they are for management and coaching in Ottawa? Like what's the sense in your hometown from your buddies that are still in Ottawa on where they're at as an organization? Well, it's interesting too, because obviously during my time at the hockey news, we, deal a lot with scouts, right? And we we used to release, a, we, we, I say we, they now, and they still do, release an issue every year in which there's a, a panel of scouts that ranks every farm system. And Ottawa obviously gets top grades, which I know obviously it's not that Pierre Dorian's making the draft, draft picks himself, but he's still overseeing it all. And I think there's a perception that on paper, what they have, it's the same thing as we've seen in LA right now, is is wonderful. You see it there, but sometimes it's just hard to bridge the gap from the theoretical to seeing it actually happen on the ice. And when you trade away so many of your leaders, whether it's Mark Stone or obviously Eric Carlson, the list goes on, John, John Gabriel Pajot, there's no one to sort of teach the group how to win. I think we've seen that time and again. We've seen it with so many different franchises. How many times over the years have we said, well, the future is bright for X and Y? Columbus and I think Arizona especially spent so many years in the tank. Florida, I know you guys talked about Florida on a recent episode, how long it took for them as well. And it's just hard to get the right mix of veterans, which is why, of course, the rumors are going to swirl. 
when we hit the summer, who's going to be UFA, who has a summer home in Ottawa, who has spent a long time, the longest tenured cap- captain of the Philadelphia Flyers, Claude Giroux. So I do think we're going to see a lot of rumors there of bringing in someone like that who can be that veteran presence to try and usher that group to the next level, to teach the Josh Norrises and the Brady Kachucks how to play in the deep water, how to win the meaningful games. Maddie, because you're a newcomer, we're going to, uh, we're going to welcome you in to uh, buy or sell with uh, Tyler Remchuk that we do all the time. Ty, how you doing? I, I'm doing fantastic. I've been enjoying this chat so far. I'm excited to bring Matt into buy or sell. As always, you guys, buy or sell is brought to you by our friends over at DoorDash. Ding dong. <laughs> Uh, Matt, that's our yeah that's our running gag we usually have an actual doorbell but we had uh producer liam hop in one day and he just said ding dong and it was the best ever still the best ever (laughs) i knew you guys would like that uh 25 off with the promo code rundown dd on your first order (laughs) i also get you know delivery fees you want it again ding dong (laughs) it's so good uh yeah anyways let's uh matt if you don't know how the segment works basically i say something and if you agree with it you buy if you don't you sell so we can jump right in here with my first question frank you actually touched on this on the daily face-off show so i'm gonna say joe pavelski will re-sign with the stars and his aav will be a raise off what he currently makes matt larkin you're the new guy i'm starting with you I'm going to say he does resign and I'm going to say that the AAV is the same because he gets term with it. So whether it's warranted or not at his age, I think that's what he's going to want. And I think it's what he's going to get. So that's kind of like a half by half sell, I suppose. Um, suppose that's an acceptable answer. Frank, <laughs> I'm going to buy, I'm going to say he gets two times 7.5. So a slight raise enough term to at least make you feel warm and snuggly at night. But if you're the stars, not enough that you're really getting nervous that you're paying Joe Pavelski that money at 40. I'm going to sell because I think the more money Joe makes, the less chance he has of winning a Stanley cup. Uh, He's made a ton of money. So he'll take a little bit less of an AAV because he hopes that that can help their team be more competitive. Interesting. Interesting. Um, just commentary and not from me, but I was just talking to some other people from around the league to follow up Jay. And their thing was if Joe Pavelski really wanted to win a Stanley cup, he would be saying trade me. Sure. Well, that's fair too. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, Number two, things got pretty ugly in Tampa Bay for the Edmonton Oilers in terms of their goaltending Mike Smith, another not great performance. I'm going to say the Edmonton Oilers will trade for a goalie before the deadline. Greg's you buying or selling. I'm selling. I just don't see a lot of options available. That's to, and what you'd have to give up, you're going to have to pay a lot. So I don't think, I don't see it. I I think they're going to hope that the, the internal solution uh, comes from a split of anybody, which could include Stuart Skinner. He's got their best numbers. Granted, it's only 12 games, but he's got the best numbers of any order goaltender. And I said at the start of the year, the order goal is just need to be between nine, 10 and nine 15, and they'll be fine. I don't think they're a Stanley cup legit contender anyway. So to blow your brains out on a subpar goalie at the deadline makes no sense. So I will sell and say they do not. Frank. I will buy. And I say they have their next goaltender in place before March 10th. I don't think this can go on much longer. I think Ken Holland resisted change on the head coaching front six weeks too long. I think this goaltending situation has percolated way too long. I think they're in a spot where their players can say all the nice things and all the right things about Mike Smith and about Miko Koskinen, but I don't know how you could present to your team that you're doing everything you can as a manager. This no one said this job was easy. There's salary cap constraints. There's um, you know acquisition costs. Get like just do it. Get the job done. The Edmonton Oilers are the only team in a playoff position with a sub 900 save percentage. Let that sink in again. Sub 900. You have to do something. Not acting, not trading for a goalie, even if it's a warm body, is negligence. Matt? I'm going to say bye. And don't forget, just because they do it doesn't mean it's going to be a good acquisition, right? So we're not saying they're going to get Billy Huso. I don't think they're going to be able to shake him loose. I don't think they're going to get Marc-Andre Fleury. But maybe the price drops. You wait long enough, you get a Eunice Corpusallo, who maybe isn't even an upgrade. But I do think we're going to see something happen because there's so much urgency there. It's funny because it's not hindsight 2020. It was foresight 2020. We all knew in the summer that they needed to address the goaltending and they didn't do it. And here we are. 
Yeah, I I think I'm going to buy, but I'm also with Jason a little in the sense that I think they're foolish for not giving Stuart Skinner a little bit more of a run here and, and keeping him up with the big club for a while. Third question I got for you. He's won a Rocket Richard, a Hart Trophy, a Stanley Cup. He's going to be top 100 in goals by the time his career's done. World Junior Gold, two Olympic Golds, and he's a member of the Triple Gold Club. Is Corey Perry a first ballot Hall of Famer? Matt, you buying or selling? I am selling. I have a sort of unofficial Matt Larkin Hall of Fame. And my question is, were you one of the best three to five players at your position for at least five consecutive years? I don't know if Corey Perry was. I think it was close. Obviously, he had the 50-goal season. He had the Hart Trophy in 2011. But I don't know if he was that good that long. I think, to me, he's Hall of Very Good. See, this is how I know Matt worked at the Hockey News because legendary Hockey News editor, uh, managing editor, Steve Dryden, has a very similar criteria. And we actually know whether or not he was one of the one, two, or whatever best players at his position for a period of time because we have the end of season all-star balloting and Corey Perry was a first team all-star at the right wing position for two seasons. No other time was he in the top five. He does have a heart, which usually is enough to get you in. I'm going to say, I'm going to sell not only is Corey Perry, not a first ballot hall of famer. I don't think he's a hall of famer at all. Hmm. Jason. I'm definitely selling. He's not, he's really? not a first ballot hall of famer. He might be one of those guys who, you know, waits a long time and gets in later on. That's possible, but definitely not a, not a first ballot. And that's not a, you know, he just scored his 400th goal yeah. um, uh, the other game. So, you know, he's had a, he's had a very good career, but you know, there's lots of guys with 400 goals who aren't in. He's played on good teams. No question, but I will, uh, I will pass as a first ballot hall of famer. Usually I only go three, but I always have a fourth one prep just in case you cover one of my topics before the segment. Uh, so I'll just give you the fourth one. Now, Igor we'll Shest- the points bet bonus. I also have a points bet bonus as well. Oh. So you're getting a whole bunch of questions from me today. Uh, Igor Shesterkin, is he the Rangers MVP of the season or does that belong to an Adam Fox, Mika Zibanejad or Temi Panarin? Jason, you buying or selling? Shesterkin is the Rangers MVP. He's no love for Chris Kreider. What the hell oh, Chris Kreider. On? Yep. Sorry. Um, I blanked on that. I- that's a really good question. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say he isn't. Um, just the the position you play in the NHL, and and you you alluded to it earlier in Edmonton. When a goalie struggles, you know, if a winger struggles, he goes no goals in twenty games. Your team can still win. When your goalie struggles, you have no chance. And Shesterkin's been unreal in goal for them. So I think he's going to be one of the leading uh, candidates to win the uh, the Vesna. So I will say he's their MVP. Frank. So I was thinking about which is the tougher team MVP discussion. Is it the Rangers or the abs? Like, tell me who the Colorado avalanche MVP is. Um, but to answer this one, I will buy. Um, we did this segment on, on the daily Faceoff show this week and Tyler helped grab the clips of Shesterkin, not just the empty net attempt that he had, but from one knee earlier this week, a hundred foot outlet pass on the fly on the tape in overtime to Panarin from one knee. Like it is unbelievable if you haven't seen it. And I never thought that, and this, I think he made such a good point when he wrote this, Larry Brooks at the New York post said, he thinks that Igor Shesterkin has been their most exciting player this year. So he didn't say MVP, but think about that statement on a team with Panarin, with Kreider, with Zibanejad, with Fox. Your goalie is your most exciting player. How often does that happen? And how blessed are the New York Rangers that they were able to bridge the gap from King Henrik to Igor Shesterkin? Like it's pretty wild to have that kind of run. And uh, this is the point since I'm not right about a lot where I remind you, I had a buy or sell question in September that was buy or sell on Igor Shesterkin finishing top three in Vesna. So I got at least one thing right this year. Matt Shesterkin, MVP of the Rangers, buy or sell. I'm not just going to buy, okay? I'm going to walk in as the new guy and shoot a three from half court here. (laughs) I'm going to say MVP of the league, not just the New York Rangers. If you look at the analytical data, the New York Rangers are still a long ways away from being a good defensive team. The difficulty of workload 
Igor Shesterkin is near the top. He has the best numbers of any starting goaltender in the league, despite the fact he is seeing more rubber than most of the other starters. He's facing way more high danger chances. The degree of difficulty of his workload is so high, you would expect worse numbers. Instead, he's posting elite numbers in spite of that. Amazingly quick goaltender, fastest goaltender in the league, the most athletic goaltender in the league at the moment, now that Jonathan Quick is aging out of that title, I think. So to me, he deserves to get heart trophy votes, not just votes for MVP of the New York Rangers. All right, we're going to wrap it up with our points bet bonus question. Uh, some really exciting stuff actually coming with us and points bet, some contesting that you're definitely going to want to stay locked for. We'll have more on that in the next few weeks. Uh, the Rocket Richard race. You got Leon Dreisaitl at the top, 35 goals, Matthews, 34, Chris Kreider, 33, and uh, Alex Ovechkin, the only other one with 30 plus goals on the year. Here's how the odds board shakes down, though. Matthews at plus 225. Dreisaitl plus 275, Ovi's plus 275 as well, Kreider plus 300. Your points bet bonus question, if I gave you a free $100 bet, who would you be putting it on to win the Rocket Richard, Matt? I'm not going to overthink this one. I'm going to go Austin Matthews. I just think he is the best pure goal scorer in the world today. The release is unparalleled. It's sort of Joe Sackick in his prime on imaginary steroids. And I just think Leon Dreisaitl, I think is a good threat, but if the odds are that close and I think Chris Kreider, the regression is, is going to happen. It's been phenomenal what he's done, but I don't think it's sustainable. So to me, you got to go Matthews. So we're Frank. taping this on Thursday night. Uh, and as we're taping it, Austin Matthews scored again against the Minnesota Wild. That is 76 goals for Austin Matthews in his last 100 games played. 76. Wow. Here's the problem with the bet, though. Will he stay healthy? That's really the biggest wild card. And I, I, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. I did put a couple bucks on Matthews, actually at plus 250 to win the Rocket. And when he missed a few games and then was a little bit slow to start, I was a little nervous thinking that, you know, he might not get there. He's obviously gotten close, but if he misses another five game stretch, he's probably not going to win it. Well, dry settles missed four games in seven years. So um, you're right there, uh, Frank. Uh, uh, dry settle doesn't miss a lot of games. He's also gone in a pretty cold slump on the power play and he's due to heat up again. So I will. He also has better odds. So if I'm getting free money, I always go with the higher odds. So I will take dry settle because I can make more. I, uh, I managed to snag them both two weeks ago and they're each plus 250. So I actually went and put a little on both of them because as long as one of them wins, you're coming out ahead money on the thing. You just got to, I guess, be wary of Alex Ovechkin going on a heater as well. Uh, but that's going to do it for another edition of Buy or Sell presented by our friends over at DoorDash. God, you got to go with Liam again. Uh, you you got only once in a while. It's like a special treat. It's true. It's true. It's not, not only how he said it, it's his accent that made it even better. Uh, it was, it was like, it was like if you put it, if you were to write it out and transcribe it, it would be like ding dong question mark. Like it was, <laughs> he wasn't sure. Like he was like, what do I do here? Oh, it was awesome. Matt, before we let you go, we always like to end uh, our interviews with uh rapid fire. And the only, uh, the only rule is you have to answer the question. Okay. okay you already answered it. who your team is. So none of these will be uh, any easier, but, uh, or any harder. Who was the best Batman? Oh, I think it's Christian Bale. I think he's just the best actor to do the role, but I think Robert Pattinson might take the title. Wow. Okay. I'm curious. Um, did you, I, I will start with some, did you like the uh, three Spider-Man? Uh, all Toby and Guy, everybody together. Have you seen that? I have. I think it was wonderful to see. There was a weird sort of real life projection where you're feeling good for the actors to see them all together as well. It was warm and fuzzy. Great movie. I don't know if the movie is as good as people think it is because the nostalgia sort of wins over their mind, but still a lot of fun. You mentioned Euphoria. Right now, Matt Larkin, what is your go-to show on Netflix? On Netflix, okay, I'm going to go way off the board here, okay? So I'm going to show you another part of my personality. My wife and I, we have a guilty pleasure for trashy reality TV. So if we're talking the flicks right now, Love is Blind. It's fantastic. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh, All right. Well, you got to learn, Frankie. Oh, man, you, you're a better man than I. I. I can't stand reality TV. I can't watch it. Sports to me is reality TV not scripted. So I'll even take wrestling over reality TV other than the original survivor. I always liked that one, but 
That was good. Um, if uh, Matt Larkin sitting at home and, and maybe uh, before you're, you're watching Love is Blind, what is your cocktail of choice? Ooh, uh, I'm a bourbon guy. So if we're talking actual cocktail, I just like a bourbon, but I, I'm not that tough. It's not neat. I'll, I'll put some ice in there. So bourbon on the rocks. Woodford Those Reserve. who are watching right now, who uses more hair product, Matt Larkin or Frank Saravalli? I think it's me. I, I, my hair is actually pretty wiry, so I need a lot of product to control it. And it doesn't like, I could sleep and go to sleep and do the show tomorrow. And you wouldn't know that I didn't shower. Like it'll just be the exact same. I think Matt, he's got big hair, but it does. There's not a lot of product in there. <laughs> well, I've got you fooled. There's so much product in there that when I wake up tomorrow morning, the pillow is going to be like stuck to my head. So I've, what I've fooled you, using? you. What's your go-to product? I, it's funny. I don't remember the name of it. I know that, that there's the word cement involved in the product. So it's, it's industrial grade stuff. So you're not a dippity. Di were you a dippity do guy? <laughs> yes, I, I was. But the problem with the dippity do, okay. Is it's so crusty that it starts to crumble on you later and you get this sort of faux dandruff. It's mistaken for dandruff, but it's just dippity do sort of fading away from your head because it gets that crusty. Yeah, that's no good. You have dippity do in Philly, Frank? No, thank God. Because I even if I even if we did, I would have never bought it. Just on name alone. Matt, how many times have you won your fantasy league? Which sport are we talking? Just hockey. hockey. Well, I'll put it this way. Uh, I have been in a fantasy league with coworkers before, but I won it too many times in a row and everyone quit. Oh. That's a, humble, That's a flex. Yeah. Humble, humble brag. I like that. Um, what is your favorite fantasy league to play and why any sport? Uh, I think fantasy baseball is the purest form of fantasy because it's the longest season and there is the, the least amount of luck involved. It separates, I think, the truly elite fantasy players from the casual because you just have it's sort of the cream will rise to the top over that long season, 162 games. And I think it's the most just whereas football. It's, it's a total crapshoot. Favorite movie of all time. Heat De Niro Pacino in the diner together the bank robbery. Number one movie. Most overrated movie. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. I'm going to say Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's one of those. I think I was just told to watch it so many times that by the time I saw it, I, the hype was out of control and I enjoyed it, but it just wasn't that good. Fair. I like it. Maddie, welcome to the DFO, man. Well, we appreciate it. I look forward to, uh, to all your great writing, your features, uh, your fantasy stuff, and uh, we will have a conversation uh, off air. We might have a a daily face-off uh, league just to just to chirp Frank more than anything. I just like to be in fantasy for the chirping. I really don't care if I win or not. It's more about the chirping. That's I just don't want to do any work. <laughs> I think about hockey enough. I'm I'm good. I don't need any more. Ah, yeah, this will be fine though. This will be great. We'll love it. You, Tyler, and Matt will take it just a tad more serious though. So that'll be Perfect, great. Yeah. But if you beat them, Frank, just think of the flexing. Wow. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> All right, Maddie. Thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Best of luck. What What is your first like as the editor and a senior writer? Like, what's what's project number one? What should fans expect March first from Matt Lark? Ooh, well, March first. I mean, I don't know the exact date, but I'm working on something. It's going to be a rather big name player. I don't want to jinx it now, but okay. fair. Just watch. Just for let something. the guy get logged into his email for Christ's sake. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> But I'm hoping, hopefully I didn't just jinx it now so by you're saying gonna have that, a, like, is it like a, a lark and long read? Is that what it's going to be? Yeah, that's, that's the hope. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like it. So it's coming soon. Okay, there we go. Little teaser. Thanks, man. Thank you guys. Can't wait to work with you. I'm honored. Excited to have Matt part of the team. Uh, Frank, I jokingly how you guys uh, had to change teams recently and it's, it's probably true. And I look forward to what he brings. He's got a wealth of knowledge and Matt, he is a fantasy expert. So I like that he can, Talk the fantasy side, but also uh, dive deep. And I'm very curious on what his uh, first long read will be. Yeah, I'm excited too. I can't wait. You see the personality and just such a talented guy. He's involved in so many different things. He's got really good connections around the league and contacts and the ability to dig in and write and also help us on the editing side. He can touch really every platform that Daily Off is known for. He's He understands the gambling aspect, clearly gets the fantasy part and, and can contribute to all those different areas, which is going to be really fun. I look forward to it. And uh, the weekend, uh, lots coming. Uh, we'll see 
uh, what happens. Uh, we talked about it briefly about the the Oilers goaltending situation. As uh, at last the opportunity, you think they might go out and make a deal before March 10th? So we'll be watching for that. And uh, you know, lots of goaltending issues uh, around the league right now. So I'm uh, curious. Some teams, you know, Toronto, some other teams, wondering what's going to happen in Dallas. Everybody talks about Holby, but Dallas is right in the playoff mix. They might not trade him. They might. Yeah, the only thing with Dallas is that they can afford to. Like you're not, they're not going to impact their playoff chances. Jake Ottinger is the guy. All you have to do is call up Hudobin, and yeah. he can fill in for what Holpe has provided. That's fair. It's totally fair. Frank, have yourself a good weekend. Uh, we'll talk to you Monday when uh, the NHL's rookie goal scoring leader will make an appearance on the DFO Rundown. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.